touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland, your host. And today we're going to take another peek behind the scenes at HowStuffWorks. I have a predator in the room, which is uh, our term for producer editors here at HowStuffWorks. Chandler, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah, this is actually my first time ever podcasting. Yeah. Ever. So have I'm you little, appeared little in nervous. Any, you've, you've appeared in some of the videos for HowStuffWorks. Yeah, I've been in some videos. Because you, you knocked a, a cup mm-hmm. away from me. Yeah, very brief cameos right. so far. I, 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 there seems to be an undercurrent of cruelty directed at me in the What the Stuff series. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's funny. I'm, I, I'm not arguing that it's not <laughs> fun. I'm just saying it's, you know, I'm just detecting it. So <laughs> I, I wanted Chandler to come on to the show so we could talk a little bit about what what he does here, what it means to be a predator at How Stuff Works. And honestly, I'm... I don't know how how do people in the video department feel about the title Predator. <laughs> I loved it actually the first time I heard it because I immediately think of Predator, the Schwarzenegger movie. Right. But when I started saying it to other people and they were like, "Oh, what do you what do you do at How Stuff Works?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm a Predator," and then they get this weird look on their face. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, that can mean that can mean something else too. Yeah. So I have to explain. It's a producer slash editor. Right. So yeah. essentially, what you're doing is two jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's really what it boils down to. So, so here at How Stuff Works, we have, we've got lots of different shows. Uh, what shows do you personally work on? Personally, uh, I work on What the Stuff, which mm-hmm. is our list based show mm-hmm. where every week we give four or five list items of something. It can be sciencey, it can be pop culture, it can sure. be really anything. Um, but yeah, just little tidbits of information about each list item, and yeah, it's a fun show to work on. Yeah, it's a little bit different from some of our other shows. Like there, there are some conventions with what the stuff that aren't in other, uh, not all how stuff works videos. For example, the idea of the the cold open. Uh, the right. idea, the shooting something that may or may not have any relation to the content of the video, but it's kind of a fun way to get into the video. And I those, usually like to start it with a joke. Yeah. You know, just a little laugh. Usually mine tend to be self-deprecating. Once in a while, I'm doing a terrible impression. <laughs> right. Like Walter White or something. Mm-hmm. That, or you got your Shakespeare oh, yes. monologue coming up. I got the Shakespeare monologue yeah. one coming up. So, yeah, guys who, you know, if you are big into Shakespeare and you like tech stuff, uh, you should definitely check that episode out when it comes <laughs> out because I wax poetic. Um yeah, so so what the stuff is a little bit different in the that respect and it also means that uh we we've also experimented going beyond the studio, right? Because our brain stuff series that we shoot inside the studio. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're up against the what what's called the what would be called a psych if it were right. in psych fact wall. in fact in fact if it were a real psych wall mm-hmm. but it's really a, a white backdrop. Uh, spoiler for anyone who's like, oh, you're destroying the illusion of, of glamour. <laughs> um, but, but what the stuff we actually tend to go out at different locations. Not only that, but sometimes depending upon the episode and the amount of time we have, you will go so far as to set up separate shots for each item in the list. Right. Yeah. It just depends on, I mean, that it's, I really feel like I do it more for my, my own sake. Yeah. Just because I enjoy, you know, different different setups and mm-hmm. feel like it 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 adds a nice uh nice flow nice variety to the the episode but a lot of times i feel like the viewers don't even notice or, or care they just want the information well sometimes which, is, which i think is hilarious so I, I feel like i'm doing it more for myself i i think i think for a lot of people they may not pick up on it consciously but it helps break up the the monotony yeah. that you might have otherwise like if it were just a person standing in front center frame of a camera or yeah or a green screen or, you're right yeah. that that even with the benefit of of uh, additional video or of illustrations or whatever it can get very monotonous and mm-hmm. you know this is why like if you watch lots of very popular youtube series you'll see that people experiment with different Angles. There are a lot of, depending upon the show, there might be a lot of jump cuts. <laughs> yeah. Cutaways to just random B roll. Yeah. We don't tend to do that mm-hmm. as much. Um, we don't like, like, I don't think I've ever seen any How Stuff Works episodes that have had lots of jump cuts in them where, you know, like the little quick joke and then right back into the stuff, uh, the, the content. I know, I know we've experimented with it at times, but 
Yeah, I don't think I. That's really the style I, I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I feel like most of the editors edit it, edit the videos to to be the way they would like to view them. Right, you know? right. Which but there's I, so many I, different audiences out there that prefer different types of sure. online videos. Well, well, let's let's walk through. Let's let's talk about what it's like uh to to do a full episode of what the stuff. So, let's say all right, you you have it on your schedule. Uh you know who is going to be shooting on a particular day. Um let what is it like 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 from the point where, you know, from scheduling all the way through shooting and editing and then publishing. Um, well, so I, I don't write the episodes, the, the writers. Yeah. <laughs> write the episodes. And, um, basically once we've decided which episodes we're going to do, we, uh, I mean, everyone's pretty busy around here, obviously with multiple projects. So we just kind of, we've, we've decided Friday is our day to shoot, but, yeah. um, try to figure out a time period that works for everyone involved, the host, um, and Casey is our DP, so he's always got to be there and uh, make sure he can uh, he can help out. Mm-hmm. And um, as it, as it goes with the script, I basically just read over it a few times before we actually shoot. And my injections are usually pop culture references, or if I think of uh, interesting cutaways mm-hmm. to to add, I'll write down or interesting references that kind of relate. Um, you know, I'll, I'll suggest that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's a matter of finding a location. Um, it's kind of been dictated to have a different location for every single episode. Which is challenging. It can be very challenging, yeah. especially as of lately, because we're working, we're working within the still developing Ponsity market, market, which, yeah. um, I don't know when we'll, be fully complete. Yeah, it's it's not fully operational. It's kind of like the second Death Star, right? Yeah, exactly. So in more ways than one, this is an enormous building. And you've probably heard us mention Pont City Market in previous episodes. But just to give you an in- indication of what we're talking about here, because I, I don't think I've ever gone into detail about what Pont City Market actually is. Uh, so in Atlanta, we have this enormous building. I mean, it's essentially the size of like a city block almost. Oh, it's massive. And it's... It used to be a distribution and retail center for Sears, and it's built right along the old rail lines that used to pass through. Well, I mean, the, technically they still pass through, but they're, mm-hmm. they're inactive. That um, that pass through Atlanta, downtown Atlanta, and once upon a time, the trains would pull up next to this enormous building. Cars would be decoupled from the train and rolled directly adjacent to the building like there was a the third floor of our building is at the level of the train tracks and so they would unload and load things there from this massive distribution center and it was also a shop so people in Atlanta could come here and shop for stuff but it was you know it was also distributing goods throughout the rest of Sears's stores in mm-hmm. the southeast wasn't there also a baseball diamond? Yes, there was back a, as well. There's a baseball diamond across the street, across which the street, is right. which is where uh, uh, the Whole Foods parking lot is across from. Right, there's details you guys don't care about, but no, <laughs> there there was a there was a, a baseball park, and there was also an amusement park nearby because there were natural springs that were not far away before they got covered up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tragedy. Yeah. Um, Atlanta's not known for keeping its history intact, but. <laughs> Partially uh, helped by the North, as it turns out. But Burning at any rate, <laughs> <laughs> so so Pond City Market is huge. It is nine stories tall. It is, you know, imagine like fitting, I don't know, maybe four department stores end to end for each floor and like full department stores end to end. It's huge, like to the point where when we take the elevator to get up to this floor, it's still a heck of a walk to get to our office. Right. You there's know? getting to your office and there's the extra 10 minutes it takes to to park and take yeah. the elevator and walk down the hallway. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty intense. Yeah. So the good thing is that means potentially there are lots of interesting places to shoot. However, we do we we make sure that we go through the right channels to secure permission so that the the management company knows that we are there so we're not going to be in the way of anybody. We also have to make sure that there's not going to be any construction going on because we don't want to get in their way and we also don't want all that noise to bleed into our videos. Right. So well, the a- idea is like anything that's being developed, they don't want anyone to see yet until it's ready. Right. So that also makes there's sense. There's so many spots that are limited. 
or they're, restricted and or sad, available one day and not the next day. And yeah. some and some of them look really awesome, mm-hmm. right? Like oh, it, yeah. there's there's a, a a space an office space to be that is adjacent to ours or right across the hallway from ours that looks like it straight out of Highlander. Right, it looks awesome. The Highlander fight should happen in in this space. There's all these. Stone pillars and giant windows yeah. that looks out in the front of the property. But, it's pretty amazing. But we can't shoot there. Nope. And, and I mean, I understand why. So when this place is completed, there will be a lot of other interesting spaces, like the rooftop will have some interesting spaces to shoot. And But yeah, it, it's getting to a point now where we may have to start using the same locations and then alter the angle. But it's it's, right. a, it's amazing how much changing the angle can uh, affect mm-hmm. uh, the visual the visual. Uh, elements of a shot. I mean, you can. Yeah, you can just pan the camera 30 degrees and you have a completely new background. Right. So, and it yeah. looks like you're in a totally different location. Mm-hmm. And and that's a trick that everybody uses, obviously, not just not just right. people making YouTube videos. Right. Movie makers do this all the time. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, all right. So you, you've got the point. You've got scheduled. You've you've scouted out your location. It's time to shoot. Explain to the audience what a shoot is like from your perspective. Well, figure out, uh, yeah, the angle of the shot itself that we usually do. Um, we, we, we kind of have a formula as, as of lately where we do a cold open and then the host does the intro and the host, host does an outro all within the same shot. And cold open can be anything. It's literally just like a three to five second joke. It can be related to whatever the, the content is, or it can just be completely random. Sure. It can be inspired by the, the backdrop we're in or just whatever we're currently, we've currently been talking about. Right. Yeah. It can just be anything fun like that. And then, um, uh, depending on the host, some hosts, uh, do, um, uh, use a teleprompter and read off a teleprompter. Cause you know, a lot of the stuff is like heavy information that they're, right. They're you, giving out. You want to make sure you're hitting the right facts and figures. You're mm-hmm. not, you don't want to guesstimate that, oh, it's around 20 miles. Right. If you've got, it's 23.7 miles. But that, you know, of course, the more of that you have, the harder it is to make sure that you're hitting all the numbers correctly. Exactly. And yeah, that's, we also have a uh, script supervisor there that, um, just kind of cross checks whatever's being said and make sure we're saying it right. And, right. Yeah. Not missing anything or making any mistakes. And then, yeah, we get through the meat of the, the shoot. Um, we'll, we usually push in a little bit more for the meat is what we call it. The meat, the actual list portion of the, the episode. And by push in, you mean you get a tighter shot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually get a tighter shot. And, um, from there we go through it a few times. Um, if, if we want to experiment with the delivery of certain, certain sentences or sure. certain parts, we'll do that. If and, someone mush mouths something, mm-hmm, which yeah. I do, I do pretty much at least once per episode. There's at some point where there's a, a usually a, series of soft C's or S's and <laughs> at some point I'm either slurring it or sam, I'm sam, running sam, things sam, together. Sam, yeah. Sam, sam. <laughs> and, and I will tell Cut. you, I, I love him to death. Okay. I'm, I'm preceding this with, I love him to death, but Ben Bolin <laughs> can write some of the hardest the things to say out loud with the human mouth. Right. <laughs> They're brilliant, but they're hard to say. Yeah, but when you complete it, it sounds great. <laughs> oh yeah, no. If you can, if you, it's really putting the 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 responsibility on the presenter. Mm-hmm. If the presenter is capable of taking the time necessary to make certain they enunciate properly, right? Then it sounds fantastic. Lauren Vogelbaum does that to herself too. Does she, she? She writes most of her own scripts and. She'll start fumbling away through a long sentence, very difficult sentence to say. And she's like, who wrote this? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's me. I've, I've done the same thing. Uh, not, I mean, for forward thinking, I have, I have written, uh, episodes for forward thinking and I get to a point where I realize in my head, this made perfect sense. But as, as a person attempting to actually say it, it, it is, a it might be a better way to say yeah, it. There's, I've got to find a different right. way. Uh, yeah. So, and you usually are actually monitoring sound during these. So you, you are present at these shoots. Oh, yeah. We, I mean, yeah. I'm like generally directing, if you will, and, um, running sound too, because we kind of like to run with a skeleton crew. Right. Oh, yeah. No, that's just moves faster that way. And, that's being generous. We usually mm-hmm. have, one person on the camera, one person on sound, and then maybe you have a script supervisor. Right. 
And then, and then there's the, the host, the host, the mm-hmm. talent, the talent. Uh, all right. So I don't want to put you on the spot, Chandler, but who's the best person on camera? Jonathan. Yeah. Thank you. Obviously. All right. Well, then, um, <laughs> you know, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, so, okay. So now we've got the episode in the can. It's shot. Uh, mm-hmm. What comes next? Ah, the editing comes next. Um, I generally actually, I don't even know if I have an order of events. Yeah. I generally just do whatever I feel like doing at the time. But yeah, it always begins with obviously downloading the footage, mm-hmm. putting it all in the timeline within um, the editing software. Um, I use Premiere. Mm-hmm. We um, all the editors here now use Adobe. Uh, Adobe Suite, Creative mm-hmm. Creative Suites, and I stand by it. It's it's pretty amazing. Cool. All the Adobe programs under one umbrella, umbrella yeah. kind of software. And um, yeah, I used to be Final Cut um, till 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 its dying breath. I was I was all about Final Cut. Right. Finally made the switch. I was like an old grandpa. I was like, but I know all my shortcuts on Final Cut. Oh no, I yeah. I I was the same way. This is taking me back. I was the same way going from WordPerfect to Word. <laughs> <laughs> like WordPerfect, I knew all the keyboard shortcuts for everything, and then Word, I just felt was dumbing everything down. These days, if you put me on a computer terminal, that's how old we're talking here. <laughs> that's running WordPerfect. I doubt I could accomplish anything, at least not in a timely manner. Right. All right, so you're using Adobe, you are, uh, you're editing. So, uh, typically, do you have like maybe an average range of how long, how many hours of editing it takes you to do a single episode? It really varies to, um, how much content was, how much content was written. Usually the length of the script, mm-hmm. um, directly, um, affects how long it takes to edit. But I'd say average is anywhere from eight hours on the shortest side to 16 hours on the longer side. Wow. So it could be up to two days of editing for a single episode. Yes. Yes. And that also depends on the content, uh, how difficult it is to find, um, I guess, I guess you call it B-roll or like pictures or video right. to cut away to. Um, and also like how kind of into the episode I am. Like sometimes I'll get in the zone and I'll spend like Two hours just working on like one kind of transition or section. And right. I'm like, and sometimes it doesn't even work out. I'm like, I don't like this. This is terrible. No. I, like, I just wasted two hours. That's tough. So yeah, it also depends on how and also how much time I have. Sometimes it's like, well, I've got six hours left before I need to publish. <laughs> so Guess we're doing a star yeah, it's, it's like I work <laughs> until I guess it's finished and I just throw it, right. publish it. <laughs> well, uh, so with that in mind, you know, this, this, these hours of, of putting in for editing, uh, are there any particular episodes that you've done where you feel, and we talked about this offline a bit, where you feel like, wow, that, that came together better than I had anticipated or, you know, this, this flows, this, this ends up flowing so well. I'm really proud of this particular piece. Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few. I, I really liked, um, I really like the one with the, uh, Star Trek gadgets. The five Star Trek gadgets. That's the one where Ben Bolin sat stone faced next to right. Me. He was at, your co pilot. We were at a bowling alley and we sat down at a table that looked vaguely spaceshipish, like it could have fit aboard the original Enterprise. And then uh, I would deliver stuff into the camera and <laughs> Ben just stared straight ahead with no expression on his face. I'm also glad that we made it work because you know that day we just had a bowling alley to shoot in, and yeah. we're like, these are the episodes we're shooting. What does Star Trek have to do with the bowling alley? Absolutely nothing. Right. So yeah, the co-pilot idea was great. A lot of people didn't get it. They're like, what? What is that dude just staring into the camera yeah. for? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was one of those things where I was like, you know, I'm I'm fine with it. And th- my favorite was that. <laughs> that Ben was wearing a sweater for that particular shoot that was reminiscent of Wesley Crusher's sweater from Star Trek The Next Generation. It had like little color stripes on it. Right. So it made me think of Wesley. I was like, this is perfect. He's he's like Wesley Crusher. And of course, mm-hmm. I'm not going to acknowledge him. And he's just going to sit there unhappy the whole time. Uh, yeah, but I thought I had a really good flow to it. I really like the song I chose. It's, that's another actually big challenge as finding... Um, Creative Commons uh, music right. to use uh, for these YouTube videos because you know, like when you're putting out as many videos a week as we do, we can't afford to just buy a song for every single YouTube video. Yeah, and um, how many? How many? What the stuffs are published each week? Uh, there's as as of now, there's two each week. It used so, to be one, but around uh, I think like August or October, 
uh, last year we started going two a week. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a lot of groundwork to get the just the basic components. It's not like we have – we don't own – a database of music that we no. just, you know, so we, we, we look for the free music and, um, yeah. I found, I found a couple artists that are amazing and they put all their music out, uh, under, uh, what is it? Uh, free music archive.com mm. or dot org yeah. is where I go. But, yeah. uh, I'm just going to say big, big shout out to Jazar, J A H Z Z A R. If you need good, like quality, um, creative commons music for your video. Check him out. He's he's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So, all right. So we got to the point where you've done all the edits. It's been eight to 16 hours. You've got the transitions lined up. You have the supporting material that is augmenting whatever the script and, and the host are uh, trying to get across. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also uh, at the at the end of the YouTube video, when they're on YouTube, you have the the various call to actions where they've got the annotations or, or rather the, the extra videos to point to. Do you pick those out? Um, I can sometimes if I, if there's like other videos, uh, even if it's like a different, um, not channel, a different show, mm-hmm. uh, if there's like a similar video that would relate to whatever the content was in that particular, what the stuff, yeah, I'll pick that. But in general, if I'm just kind of, um, throwing out annotations for, Whatever other other what the stuff videos there are, I'll just do the most recent what sure, the stuff videos sure. that, that came out. So uh, all that happens, you publish it, and then nope, sound can't forget about sound. Oh, or, yeah. yes, please let's <laughs> talk about sound. I didn't know anything about sounds going <laughs> into this job, and I, I got to say, like that was that's been the biggest learning curve for me is realizing like how I mean, if you think about it, like a video is one half. Vi- Audio, uh, audio, one half visual. Sure. I was always on the visual side of things and mm-hmm. didn't really think too much about sound. And now, now that I've been doing it for a year, I realize I, I knew nothing <laughs> and I'm still learning to this day. Like you gotta, gotta make sure the levels are right. You mm-hmm. can't, can't let the audio peak too much. Can't let the music peak too much. I've, it's been a big learning curve. You'll actually, if you go back and see some old what the stuff videos, you'll see some comments. They're like, oh, the music was way too loud in that one. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, whoops. I've seen some sometimes videos. it sounds good to me on, yeah. in my earphones, but other people don't, you know. Well, sure. And sometimes things the same sometimes way. there might be like different pitches that hit certain people extra hard. Exactly. Um, I can think of one show's uh, opening theme that has a high pitch repeated sound that sometimes, depending upon the volume I have my headphones <laughs> set at, can be a little, a little much. A little piercing sometimes. So we're talking okay. about talking about tech stuff, right? right. <laughs> um, but all right, so yeah, the sound is really important, and also I should point out, uh, like like you would see in a lot of different professional shoots. I mean, ours is a professional shoot. We're not recording sound directly into the camera. We're not using a camera mounted microphone. You're recording sound separately. We're wearing um, lav mics that are have a wireless transmitter that transmit to a different recorder, mm-hmm. and so. Therefore, there's a moment where we have to have the audio synced with the video, but we don't slate, which is the what you would see with your typical television or movie where, you know, you have the clapboard out. It's got yeah. the scene number on there. And you the hit clap that. is where you line up the audio with the. Yeah, you video. look for the spike in the audio mm-hmm. and then you line the spike in the audio with the motion of the clap. And then that lets you have the synchronization. So how do you sync the sound to the audio? We actually just use a software called uh, Pluralize, where you just give them uh, the audio and the video, and it'll find um, the ca- the onboard camera audio mm-hmm. and line that up with the live audio that you recorded. So what it's doing is it's taking – we are recording audio with the camera, but that's not the audio that you're hearing mm-hmm. when, you, when you watch one of these episodes. It's being used as a reference track, yeah. and then uh, the software does it all for you, which – it doesn't always work out. Yeah. So uh, a lot of times when we're filming outside, if the wind is blowing pretty heavily, mm-hmm. the onboard audio, all you hear is just the blowing of the wind. Sure. And it's just like. <sighs> so in those cases, yeah. do you have to and manually. The, yeah. Then you have to do it manually. How hard Which can is be that? pretty tough. <laughs> pretty tough. Yeah. I can't I mean, imagine not, it's doing not, that. It's not difficult. It just, it's a little time consuming sometimes. Right. To, to find that one moment where you think, oh, this is where he made that noise. Mm-hmm. No, that was a different noise Jonathan made. Or sometimes you'll line up. Yeah. Like an intro. 
and you realize you're lining up a, a completely different take and you're like, mm. why is the, why is the audio off now? Yeah. 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 That's, and see that, that to me is one of those fascinating things because I take it for granted all the time, you know, mm-hmm. because people have consistently done really good jobs in television and movies, you know, you just assume, oh, everything is picked up at the same time and you're fine. And you don't really think necessarily, oh, this was recorded in two, on two separate media simultaneously and then had to be married together to become the thing you're actually experiencing. Right. So I always find that fascinating. Well, you know, I had also asked you about the possibility of, of talking about things that you find particularly interesting or inspirational as a creator. Like when you, when you watch things, are there any examples of things that you've seen, whether they're movies, television or other YouTube videos uh, that you're, you, you see it and you think, now that is really an interesting approach. That's something I would love to give a shot at. Man, I mean, yeah, see things all the time, every day, like YouTube videos, movies, anything like that. I mean, as an editor, I've only been a quote unquote professional editor here at How Stuff Works for a year now, a little bit over a year. And I've never, I mean, I've been editing since I was in high school, but I've never edited at such a, such a clip at, with so, so much content per right. week that I feel like I've learned a whole lot, um, mainly in terms of like flow and pacing mm-hmm. and how much power the editor has. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, no. an, an editor has the power to take something that's good and turn it into something that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, and like you're talking like, yeah, just like the difference in like one frame of time. Sure. Can make a complete difference of like how, how, how a scene feels or how an episode can feel. Like you take, I don't know, say like a shot of a, of a man who's looking at a woman, kind of a flat affect, um, and facial tone. You hold it for a certain period of time, you get the sense that he's in love with this person. Mm-hmm. You hold it for a second longer, he's in love, but unsure of whether this love means something. Hold it a second longer, he feels sorry for her. Hold it a second longer, he doesn't trust her. You know, it's just like completely, yeah, just the timing of, and I mean, within, within, you know, uh, movies or, or sort of like, uh, dramatic narratives or even just in, um, a YouTube video or like a, uh, an interview even. Mm-hmm. I, I did an interview with, uh, Christian and Annalie Newitz from, uh, IO9. IO9 mm-hmm. And just that was, that was a big learning experience for me. Just n- realizing like there's a lot that goes into editing an interview. Yeah. Um, especially when you're limited in how much, like how many, how many pieces of equipment you have. Like right. if you're, if you're lucky, you hear it, how stuff works because the, this was an interview that was done on location, right? Yeah. This was it was kind Dragon of done on the fly. Yeah. Dragon and, Con. Yeah. So like, like it's not like we could set up, you know, a multi-camera approach with three cameras, right? Yeah. I think you were, you were limited we had one by, camera. You only had one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, obviously that means that you have to make that critical choice right up front of where's the camera, what's the, how are we framing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you well, we set it don't up wanna... as like a 4K camera, but we were gonna put the video out as a uh, 1080p. So that meant video. That you so could then we shoot could it wide, push but you could digitally have, push in. Yeah, yeah. Fake multiple camera. We've done the same feeling. thing with yeah. forward thinking, where mm-hmm. which I love, by the way. I love. It was terrifying when I found out that I was going to be shooting on 4K. I because this in 4K. <laughs> you don't need to see this much detail. That is, yeah, <laughs> no, gosh, I don't want to. I don't want to see that. But then finding out that 4K means half the number of takes, I was totally on board. <laughs> yeah, right. Because <laughs> exactly. I don't use a I don't use a teleprompter for um for forward thinking, but I do use That's one. Impressive, I do use one for what the stuff. Um, yeah, no, yeah. There's no teleprompter for forward thinking. There's no. It's just me and the crew. Uh, and so in, in the early days, it was a full crew. These days, we've, we've got the skeleton crew approach because mm-hmm. we've really figured out how to streamline the whole process. It took a, more than a year mm-hmm. of hard work to figure that out. And that's the thing is that it's just like any other job, right? The more you do it, the more you start realizing, Oh, there, I can do this thing and it'll save me all this time. Think of all the time I would have saved if I had known this before. Right. It's so daunting. Yeah. To- to think about like how much you don't know and like how much time you could save, like once you learn what it is you need to know to save that time. Right. Right. And like, yeah, I thought I was a good editor. I really did like going into, going into this job. And then a year later, I'm like, man, I knew nothing. Yeah. John Snow. But exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Winter is coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's, it's, 
I know exactly what you're yeah. what you're saying because it's kind of like doing the video hosting stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had done plenty of stage performances. I had done presentations, and I had done some video work, but I had not really done video host work, mm-hmm. right? And that is a different set of skills than other types oh, of for performance. Sure. Same sort of thing, though. You know, you you do it enough times, and if you, I mean, if people like you enough for you to stick around, you learn. Mm-hmm. If people don't like you, you find out pretty quickly. So, <laughs> right. uh, but at any rate, uh, I wanted to talk also about one of my favorite uh, videos that we've worked on together. It was a, an incredibly daunting task. It was a huge amount of material we gathered. Oh yeah, we're talking specifically about how the WWE experience works. Now, I've talked about this on the show in the past. I am a, a I am a wrestling fan. <laughs> like back in the day when it was wrestling uh, here in Georgia, we're talking Georgia Championship Wrestling, World Class Championship Wrestling, World WCW eventually, uh, all that kind of stuff, and then eventually WWF and then WWE. So we got the opportunity to go to uh, the the nearby arena to shoot uh, behind the scenes footage. Of the crew setting up for a, a taping of WWE Smackdown? Smackdown. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's Smackdown, which is taped and then, and then broadcast later. And we got access to the arena early on when the crew was really, you know, setting up. Mm-hmm. They had already been working for a couple of hours by the time we got there. Yeah. Um, but we got to shoot a whole bunch of material and, how many cameras do we have there? We had the the GoPro. The GoPro. We had a 5D. No, we had two 5Ds and an A7S. So we yeah we had we had four cameras there. So four cameras, one of which was just sitting there gathering footage. Uh, that was For the, the time mo- lapse. Yeah. That was the most fun because we were setting that up, and that's when security came by and said, "Hey guys, how are you doing? Hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing?" They jumped on us pretty fast. But but they were they were super cool. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. at WWE was super cool, and we we told them like, "Oh, we're here with how stuff works," and uh, uh, down there is our our boss. You can talk with them, and everything. They were they talked with them. Everything was awesome. Like, all right, guys, you're good to go. And that was it. They never got in our way. They helped us out. They talked to us whenever we needed to talk to them. I don't think anyone, like considering how much orchestration was going on with them putting together this massive show, I don't think anyone got yelled at for like being in the way or anything. And I'm sure we were in the way. <laughs> they were. Yeah, it's probably a case of they're just they're masters of their domain. They yeah. knew exactly what they were doing. And yeah, they were very friendly and eager to to help us out with anything or, you know, like a couple times, like if I was, we were getting a shot of like, you know, somebody setting up the certain light and I didn't really get it in time. Sometimes a crewman would notice and be like, you want me to do that again? You know, we'll, yeah. he'd do it for us and we get a second take. Yeah. We get a second take. Yeah. yeah. The, the crew was amazing. Everyone, yeah, everyone there was really awesome. And the referees were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They were super nice and very informative and would, would stop and talk with us about anything. You know, if we were interested in something and, and it was crazy. Like they were just stripping the veil away. To mm-hmm. explain exactly what goes into and why things are the way they are, which was great. That was exactly what we were there to capture. Right. And uh, the superstars were awesome, too. We, we interviewed a few superstars. Yeah. Uh, how many? Four. four. Yeah, four yeah, superstars. Yeah, it was uh, Ryback, Ziggler, Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins and Natalia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were all fantastic. Yeah, they were great interviews. Yeah. I, my favorite was, uh, <laughs> were you doing sound for those two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was, was when when we were interviewing Ryback and you said, I thought at first all the low levels were going crazy, and then I realized it's just his voice. His voice <laughs> has so much bass to it. Like I was, I was shaking <laughs> while listening to his audio. Yeah, I guess it was good that we didn't have the big show uh, mic'd at the time because he came oh, by God. and chatted for a while. Yeah, too. that was hilarious. Yeah, but yeah, I remember putting the uh, the love on uh, Ryback's shirt, around, like right next on the collar around his neck, mm-hmm. and realizing his neck was larger than. The thickest part of my thigh. Like, oh my god, <laughs> He's this a guy big is dude. massive. Yeah, he is called the big guy. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We uh, so anyway, that was a full day of shooting. How how much footage? And I I realize the term footage is kind of outdated since mm-hmm. that dates back to the film days. But how? I, mean, how, I say footage. Yeah, how much yeah. footage did you guys have? Do you do you think? Um, not including the interviews, we probably had about six hours of. Footage. That video, by the way, is around ten minutes long. Right. So yeah, so it's like six, six hours, hours of, of maybe a little bit more. Um, because we yeah we were running multiple cameras at the same time and we were there most of the day. Yeah. Um. So yeah, about six hours of footage and then interviews on top of it, and that was 
That was a lot of fun. That's like my favorite kind of video to edit and also my least favorite in terms of like how much brain power it takes. Yeah, because how do you pick the moments? I mean, it was after making videos like that that I had a lot more respect for uh, documentary Mm -hmm. uh, editors, Mm -hmm. anyone that's ever edited a documentary. If you think about it, it's like most of the time when you make a documentary, you have like just a wealth of footage Mm -hmm. and you're like, how do I craft a narrative out of all this footage. You literally have to create a narrative. You, ha- you don't really have a script. Well, you, you, you do have a script eventually, but right. You have but, to kind of make it, it based on what you, what you got, what you got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't write uh, like the voiceover was something I recorded well after we had shot everything. Mm-hmm. I, I had specific questions that I wanted to ask the ring crew and the superstars. Uh, but I, apart from that, I didn't have you know, the narrative written out because it didn't know what we were going to get. And it would depend entirely upon what we were able to to see and record while we were there. And as it turns out, we were able to record. I mean, we were the first video crew allowed to go under the ring at WWE. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> I was I remember I got being, that shot under there. I remember being under there and thinking, I can't imagine being one of the guys who hides under the ring while a match is going on to pop out and sabotage like that. That's one of those <laughs> story elements that you see pop up occasionally in, in storylines, man, I can't imagine the sound of that. It's that pretty loud. Compressing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Just being nearby and hearing it. I was like, yeah, I don't even want to know what that sounds like. <laughs> yeah. We got to, we got to hear some of it because we were there while they were doing some rehearsals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just, just warm ups, things like that. And, uh, you know, we didn't shoot any of that, but, but it was really exciting to kind of just be present for it. It was, mm-hmm. you know, like it was getting a chance to peek behind the scenes and it was really neat. So you had a huge amount of information to sort through. You, you really, in, in many ways, you got to really shape the way that story played out. And I, I wrote some voiceover, but you and I worked together on that too, where you mm-hmm. even came back with some notes so I could come back in and record some other things a little differently. Right. So it worked, matched up better with the footage that we had. Exactly. Um, so it's a really collaborative process. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And then, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's always a daunting task at first because you just go, how, how the hell am I going to take six hours and yeah. put it down into 10 minutes? And, and, it, and like, it's it's a blessing and a curse to have uh, cameramen as good as we have. Casey and Paul were like their footage was spectacular. Right. So we had a lot of once again, it's a good problem. We had a lot of issues where it's like we have five different ways to show this one thing happening. Yeah. Which are the five? And they're the all best. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which way is the best? Yeah. So maybe sure. maybe one day we'll do we'll do the outtakes where it'll just be two hours of, yeah. of well, random B roll. Yeah, I footage. kept saying there's like there's probably a hundred different ways this video could have yeah. turned out and all of them would have been good. And of course we got to work with WWE and they sent us some footage, uh, which was fantastic. That mm-hmm. meant but that of course means that you had even more tough choices, like where do you put these things? How 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 do we use the footage to emphasize points in the in the arc of the WWE experience. And are there elements where we're, where even if you really like a shot, you're like, oh, man, I hate losing this, but mm-hmm. there's sometimes you got to make those tough choices. You gotta, you gotta be ready to, to, to cut the best of the best. If it isn't serving the purpose of whatever the video is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was one where, uh, uh, we were all really proud of the work we did. I mean, it was a huge amount of work, mm-hmm. but it was also, like I said, a really collaborative experience and everybody really pulled their weight on that one. So that was a great kind of uh, deep dive into a mega episode. Yeah. Um, which th- th- that's not a what the stuff. That was its own. Thing yeah. It's within just how, how the works. WWE experience works. Yeah. That was fun. That was a good one. Yeah. I, there are several episodes that, that I've been part of or that I've watched that uh, I've really enjoyed. Are there any others that you are particularly fond of or? uh... Yeah, there's one with uh, Chuck um, where he does five false history facts. I really enjoyed that one, mainly just because you can really see um, Chuck's personality kind of shows through really well on that one. He's just a fun guy to be around. So. Chuck's just, yeah, he's yeah. just one of those genuinely affable, fun guys. Mm-hmm. And he's, 
And I felt like so it kind of showed too. in that episode. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's definitely got a wicked sense of humor too, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, and that's the other neat thing about what the stuff is that there's so many different hosts. Yeah. It's kind of like each, each episode has its own flavor depending on who's hosting. Yeah, the, uh, Lauren, Lauren's great. She brings the kind of dark and twisted side to yep. uh, science a lot. Um, she did one on ways space is trying to kill you. I really like how that one turned out. Yep. We have one coming out today called, um, bizarre medical treatments. Mm-hmm. And we did an interesting cold open. It doesn't really have anything to do with medical treatments, but, uh, we did a Blair Witch Project intro. We kind of recreated the ending to the Blair Witch Project. And <laughs> was the she whole... standing in the corner? She or... was standing of in the corner. She was. Yeah. It's great. I've been forbidden from doing that by my wife, by the way. What? Standing in the corner. <laughs> oh, that, cause the, it that affected movie her that affected hard. her so much. Oh, that... me too, man. I was just, I was just going back and looking at it, uh, after we shot it just to just kind of see it again. Cause it's been years. And yeah, my, my skin was crawling immediately. Oh, yeah. It's ama- again, yeah. again, it's one of those things where, you know, using the right image at the, for the right amount of time can evoke a very strong emotional response in the audience. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really kind of remarkable how a lot of the job is maybe not manipulating your audience, but, but encouraging the right kind of response so that your the stuff you are creating has the greatest possible impact. Whatever that impact might be, you know, will be dependent upon the content itself. Oh, agreed. Um, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that we have all these different hosts, and that in general, I would say the what the stuff voice is a little tongue in cheek, a little a little snarky, maybe not snarky, but definitely tongue in cheek. Sure, definitely a playful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then depending upon the host, that playfulness comes out in different ways. So, for example, all the Jonathan Strickland hosted ones tend to be a little dorky and goofy because that's who I am, right? Uh, which I embrace. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, I I realize I am never going to be. <laughs> The cool dude who is like, like super laid back and is funny and everyone's like, Haha, like, I'm not going to be the cocktail guy. That's not going to be me. You're cool in your own right. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. All right. All right. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, but, but that is awesome. You know, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. So you get yeah, to- Kristen actually, um, uh, made me think of, yeah, different personalities. Kristen has one on phobias. Mm hmm. And, you know, she clearly comes from some sort of uh, drama improv background because she right. has like so many different characters and and styles and voices. And it just it, <laughs> it blows my mind. Sometimes I'll just like let the camera run with her. And even when she's done with like the the section that she was recording, I won't say cut. Right. Then she'll just start riffing because she, she doesn't know how to stop until I say cut. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I get some great stuff from her. That's that way. fantastic. Yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try and give you some stuff because uh, you know that, that's one of the reasons why I love working with Ben. Um, ben and I yeah. both have an improv background. Oh well. yeah, Kristen does great too. at that. So yeah, all, the three of us have uh, improvisational comedy backgrounds, and so like whenever I get into a video where Ben and I are both in that video, it's always fun to play off of him. Most definitely, because uh, we we know. We'll support one another in our various bizarre choices. And sometimes that works out to, to video gold. Sometimes that's in a blooper reel. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah, just will forever remain on the, uh, the editing floor. But I say, I always say go for it. When yeah. people are like, should we try this? I'm like, yeah, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, it won't, it's so it won't much, make the final cut. It's so much easier to pull it back than mm-hmm. it is to tell people to give me more, right? Right. Because give me more makes a person feel like they, are somehow like they're underperforming. Right. That's not necessarily what you mean. Mm-mm. You might just mean I just need like this needs to be intense. I need more intensity or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and or these episodes are so easy to set up. Like why not just kind of play around? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, as a, as an actor, it's definitely one of those things where I had to teach myself. It's much better to make a big choice and be told to pull it back than to do a small choice and have a director think that's all you're capable mm-hmm. of doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, yeah, and I, I hope everyone like trust me enough to know that like, if you know, you should be brave enough to try something, even if it seems a little outside of your comfort zone and just know that like, if it didn't work out, it won't make the final right, cut. Like right. I'll, I, I'll be able to tell. So do we have any uh, blooper reels in, in planning stages? 
Um, I've constantly, um, any, any good bloopers, I'll kind of, uh, make my own, set aside, make my own timeline. I can go back through the project files and I could piece together. Great. Awesome. But awesome. I actually do put, I still uh, on occasion put some good bloopers at the at end the of the episode end. itself. Yeah. I mean, I don't make any cause I'm one take Strickland. One take Strickland. But you know, I also you, have, no, you, you, you actually do have a talent for that. Cause like sometimes I was like, man, did we just shoot this in like 10 minutes? Like that just blew my mind. Like, <laughs> well, whereas I'm thinking, like, I guess we can reshoot it just to have two options, but yeah, I mean, every, it was already good. Well, that, and that's the thing that I'm always asking you guys, right? I'm like, are, do you, are you sure you guys don't need another one? Mm-hmm. Cause I, I'm always second guessing myself. You know, when I'm, when I'm in the moment, I can't tell if it's good or not. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just doing it, doing it the best way I know how. And then I rely very heavily upon a director to tell me if I have, you know, like, like, Jonathan, could you try this again, but do it in this other way? Like, I think it might be more beneficial for you to have more gravitas, which mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going to pull that out if that, <laughs> that's ever the direction, but whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it turns out that uh, I guess it's my sensibility. It, it tends to go well with the, the scripts that, um, I tend to do. And, and it also speaks, highly of the writers who, when they know which person is going to host a particular episode, they tend to write to that person's strengths. Mm -hmm. For sure. There's some episodes where we have a script and we haven't assigned it a host. And in that case, the script is kind of like a, it's kind of waiting for personality to be injected into Mm -hmm. it. Um, but there are other times where like, Oh, it's Jonathan. Let's make him do that terrible Christopher Walken impression. He does (laughs) write that in. And, and I'll do it. I've heard that. Give me, give me a Christopher Walken impression. Uh, I, I like to do Christopher Walken as if he were Hotspur from Henry the Fourth, Part One. So you're gonna get a little Shakespeare too. Okay. But for mine own part, my lord, I could be contented to be there in respect for the love I bear your house. <laughs> That's, that was that's, good. That was good. Christmas wow. Walking. Yeah. I, I, no, that sounds yeah. like Schwarzenegger. You got to do that. You got to do the. Like, no. The, good for you. That was good. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's also good to. It's also good to occasionally <laughs> occasionally do like a whisper, like, you know, you gotta run down the road fast. <laughs> like you gotta All do right, a, You gotta gonna, do a whisper. I'm gonna have there, to practice my walking now. That's... Uh, is the word? I don't do an impression of walking. I do an impression of an impressionist doing an impression of right. walking. That's that's how far removed mine is. But that's all right. It reminds um, me of Michael Caine doing an impression of people doing Michael Caine impressions. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? I I have not. I don't. think It was I've in seen an that. interview, and it, I don't even remember what. It was yeah, some some sort of show. He I was did doing see an that. Someone's secret... like, you know, everyone does impressions of you, and he's like, yeah, they're terrible. I do see that the secret to saying his name the way he says his name is to say the words my cocaine. My cocaine. So yeah. Like, my cocaine. I'm my cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> That's the secret to saying his name. Uh, it's a little off topic, but right. at any rate. Yeah. Where do we go? What's, what's <laughs> so th- this was great. I love that we had a chance to sit down and kind of talk about what it is you do and how it's done. And also to maybe introduce people to the series What the Stuff, because it, it is one of those where you're going to get a full view of the capabilities of how stuff works. We're talking about a team of writers, uh, many of whom are also some of the hosts of the show. Mm-hmm. You have a variation of hosts so that people from your favorite podcast, they're all in these various episodes. A uh, huge number of topics ranging from science to technology to pop culture to everything in between. Um, and we're having a blast doing them. Um, any pass, any final thoughts before we sign off? Not really. I mean, I guess, yeah, if you, if you, if you're a casual movie watcher or watch videos on YouTube or any sort of video content, try to, try to think about the editing every now and then. See, try yeah. to, try to actually analyze what's going on there. Cause you, you'd be surprised at how impressive of a, of a, of a job it is. Uh, a lot of times it goes, Kind of like good sound design too. It's like mm-hmm. it goes unnoticed. Like if you did your job correctly, right? People don't even think about it. Yeah, it's it's when editing has been poor that it becomes noticeable, right? Because mm-hmm. then it becomes a detriment. I, I I think of films where I feel like the story was disjointed, mm-hmm. and often that's because you'll have uh, a narrative moment happening in the film. There's a cut to a new scene before the the previous one has had any. Dis- distinct resolution right and it might move on to something different and ultimately that can cause an audience to feel a little lost mm-hmm. or unsatisfied 
And if you're watching a great movie with great editing, then, you know, that doesn't you're just like, oh, that was a fun movie. But Mm -hmm. if you watch one where the editing was disjointed, either on purpose in order to achieve a specific effect or just incompetently done, then you could be feeling a little uncertain and lost. But then there's also the movies that the editing is almost a character in itself because it's just so jarring. Um Mad Max, the most recent Mad Max Fury movie, Road. I think. Yeah, yeah, I just saw that the other night and blew my mind. But yeah, the editing is so intense I and so fast paced. Doof, Doof Warrior for the win. That, yeah. gu- that guitar, Dude, man. That that was next level. Uh, yeah, I think of Tarantino's films. Mm-hmm. Tarantino's films where the editing is very much a part yeah, of the He's story manipulating telling. the audience with, yeah. his, with his editing. And uh, yeah, you can, I mean, that. Some of the best editing I've seen in films consistently came out of uh, the Tarantino movies. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, very good point. Definitely pay attention to that. Keep in mind, if you have a goal of getting into the video industry, editor is one of the best things I can think of simply because you have a direct hand in how that story plays out. Oh, most definitely. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes, you you know, a director's job is to get the performances that is that are needed to tell the story, but the editor is the one that puts it together. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, you can have, you can have a good amount of material from a director and turn it into a great movie with a very talented editor. Agreed. Yeah. So, uh, um, I'm, I'm constantly thankful for the skill of the editors here at how stuff works because I might do, there are times where I'll do a take and I'll think, ah, I probably could have done that better. And then when I see the video, I'm like, Wow, they really put that together in such a way that it was I it was perfect. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I the thing the doubt I felt in the moment was completely removed by the skill of the editors. So oh, stop. Oh no. I won't because you keep me employed. All right. So um, anyway, thank you so much, Chandler, for joining us, guys. Make sure you check thank out you for me. that What the Stuff episode, man. That is What the Stuff shows are so much fun to do. So check those out. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, you can send me a message. The email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr. The handle at all three of those is techstuffhsw. And I'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. <laughs>